Welcome to Keeping It Real's podcast, where we believe in real hope, real love, and a real God. We pray that this message encourages you and builds your faith. Hallelujah. Thank God for His grace. Father, we love you. Come on, look. Come on, church. Give the Lord praise. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for His love and His covering. Thank God for meeting every need in our life. Thank you, Lord, for overshadowing us and helping us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the hope that you give us. Thank you for the hope that we have in you. That we are not alone, oh God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for your ministry. Hallelujah. Church, we can all be seated. Thank God for his grace. Good prayer. Amen. This is a national, a national day of prayer the president called for. One virus. <laughs> One virus set the whole world on its butt. That's a trip, huh? One thing is str- brought fear into the hearts of people, you know, literally fear. People are locked up. I don't know anybody finding toilet. Do not steal the toilet paper from this church. I don't care if you don't have any. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's something, man. That's you're going to Kaiser, huh? I I go to work tonight. I bet there ain't gonna be no toilet paper nowhere in that building, man. That's gonna be crazy. That's that's insane, huh? People panicking and buying everything off the shelves, and you know, and it, it doesn't take much. You know, the Bible talks about this. You know, if you read in Revelations, it talks about the pale horse. Talks about the four horsemen. You know, in Revelations, during the end times, you guys ought to read that. Blow you, maybe I need to preach more on it. Then again, maybe you need to read about it. But it talks about pestilence. A lot of times, there's lots of signs about the end times, signs that would, you know, let us know when Jesus was coming back. And one of the ones that people, you know, neglect and forget is the one called pestilence, which is sickness and disease. And so at first, you know, so there was HIV years ago. That was a worldwide epidemic that scared people. And they, you know, like I said, a man scrambles and tries to get a control on that. Not too long ago, there were SARS, you know, and that popped up, you know, and, and then now we got this. And there's, you know, like I said, and this one has actually, I was reading today, they put a, uh, is it ISIS? ISIS, they actually sent out a memo. <laughs> they said, do not attack the Europeans do not go to the Western. Don't do it. <laughs> he said, just just stay back. <laughs> now, now, when them crazy people put a put a memo out and say, don't don't even go to Europe. Don't do nothing. We don't want that. We don't want that in, on us. You know, and back in our country, that has got people's attention. It got people's attention. I, and I have to, you know, because I'm making I'm light. I'm laughing. You know, I'm not making light of it because it is a serious issue. But people really are flipped. I'm actually on the front line of this thing. You know, when I go to work, I'm actually, when I say front line, I mean front line. That's where I'm at. That's the work that I do. And the workers are all flipped out. Like I said, they pay us to do a certain job, and they're saying, no, we ain't doing it. You know, so to be an example for them, I have to go do certain things and and to make it happen. But it's a real issue. And one of the big things that gets people, what gets me is people's fear. You know, fear. And, and like I said, and the thing about living for Jesus Christ, you know, we're not supposed to live in fear. We're supposed to trust God. And uh, like I said, and, and I'm not talking about being stupid. I ain't talking about just, you know, you know, people putting it to the test and, you know, but I'm just talking about, you know, uh, trusting God overall. God, you're in complete control. You, my, hand, my life is in your hand. My family is in, is in your hands. And, and I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to live in fear. I can't do that. I can't do that living in fear thing. You know, I got to be able to trust God. I got to live my life. In the meantime, wash your hands. <laughs> Keep your, hand, your hands out of your face, your nose, your eyes, and your mouth. And stay 20 feet away from anybody that's, if you're sick, if you sneezing and you feel sick. I know pastor wants me to be in church, so I'm going to be faithful. Um, 
<laughs> you go on and stay home. <laughs> we'll see you when you get better, okay? You know. But that's, the, that's one of the simplest things you can do, you know. And it's just like a, like I said, and it's, it's like a flu, except it 60 or above, like my zone, <laughs> you know. If I get it, I'm going to, they say, or, or if you have respiratory problems or a weak immune system, then you have a problem. That's why you don't see a lot of kids getting it. In fact, I haven't heard any of any kids at all, you know, which is, which is, you know, but older people are the ones acceptable and they're the ones who are dying. You know, you hear about somebody who died and most of the time they're like nursing homes. We're supposed to go to Washington. Washington has an epi- has a, they had a bunch of people die out in Washington State. My wife and I are supposed to go there next week. And uh, I don't know if I can pull that one off. You know, we have to think about it. But, but uh, you know, it's not because of fear. It's just I don't get stuck at the airport. That would drive me nuts more than getting the virus, you know. So anyway, Luke chapter 18. Roll with me, seeing how it's a national day of prayer. And as I minister this message, listen to me. Look, my, the way I preach, I, always, I don't care even if it's the most lovingest message you know how I am, okay? I'm going to preach. It's coming out hard. I, I, I got, you know, that's, if it sounds that way. And especially on this subject here, I really don't want you to think like I'm preaching at you because we can always feel guilty about prayer. We always, I don't, the, the most prayerful people can be condemned about prayer, about not praying enough. You know, and so I, what I want to say is, like, as I preach this message, I'm a challenge. I'm speaking to you, speaking to me, speaking to all of us. And uh, because prayer is a very, very, very important thing. We're singing this song, you know, uh, I'm going to see the victory. I'm going to get the victory. We're going to win the victory because the battle is the Lord's. But one of the most important parts of that, that is a beautiful anthem to sing. That is, you can feel it, man. You can feel it you know, in the way... Christy, you know, contends and pushes, man, you can just feel, yes, and it's a truth, it's a, a revelation, it's, it's something, we're going to have the victory, but what's linked to that is our prayer life. What's linked to that is you and I, and, and it's a direct reflection of whether we have faith or not. Prayer. You know, if we have faith, faith moves us to call upon the name of the Lord. And like I said, what gets me, I said, one thing about all this stuff that's coming down It'll make people pray now. I bet you there's a lot of people praying because they're scared to death. It's like an earthquake. You know, it happens. And all of a sudden, or, or when 9-11 ha- happened, boy, churches were packed out. They're not so packed out now, you know what I mean, not years later. But, I mean, I mean, people rushed into the church. It scared people, got their attention. This right here got, it, got a lot of people's attention. And it's not even finished yet. But there's some prayer is linked. If we say we trust God and we believe God, then it's going to produce a prayer life. And what I found out is that, like I said, uh, it, well, maybe not in you, but in me, that when I pull back from prayer, is when I either become discouraged or I've allowed doubt to fill my heart or whatever, like I said, I'm going through and I pull back, and that's when, I'm, that's when I, my prayer life drops. You know, I don't, how about you? Anybody here like me? You know what I mean? Something doesn't turn out right, and we're very, we're very susceptible to this. You know, it's easy for us to get slapped in life, and all of a sudden, we don't want to fight. Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> we do. We got a plan, and then we get punched in the face, and all of a sudden, man, uh, we, we ain't doing anything, you know, and that's just, just life itself to us, and we all go through this. And so it's important that, you know, it's one of the most important things. I don't think there's anything, I don't think there's anything more important than this, than prayer. Everything flows out of that. Our church, okay, you ready for this one? This church, I flat out believe, if everybody in here begins to get a hold of God, in a very short period of time, revival would break out. Things would happen. New families would be added. People get more people would get saved, and they would get saved and stay. And and some things would, would have a, would really would see the victory. Some breakthroughs would happen. You with me? I really believe we get serious about prayer. We get a hold about get get, get serious about God in our lives, and 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 we're trusting Him and we're believing Him. And the things that we don't see that we want to see. 
and we begin to cry out to God for it, we begin to see it. Things would begin to happen. God would begin to move in areas that we would never expect. You know, we would never, like I said, things that we can't do for ourselves, God would begin to do. Why? Simply because we gave him an, inv an invitation to get involved. An invitation to do something. You know, like I said, I believe if we'd all begin to pray, each and every one of us as individuals, something would happen deep inside of us, man. Revival would break loose. We would be revived. Excitement and joy and a sense of expectation and hope would be birthed in us. Our confidence, become, we would become spiritually aggressive. We wouldn't be, our cage wouldn't be rattled. We wouldn't be so worried or, or caught up in fear. Our eyes and our hearts would be set upon God, and we would be totally different people. You want to change? Begin to pray. You want to be a different person? You want something to happen inside of you? You want to see God move? You say, show me. God, if you're real, then show me. God says, I'll show you if you just begin to ask me. I'll make myself real in your behalf. You'll see the victory. You will see the victory. You could see the dead rise again to life if you begin to pray. You could see your, the deadness of your soul, the deadness of a church, the deadness of a marriage, the deadness of a life begin to, begin to bloom. You know what I mean? Things begin to happen simply because we begin to pray. Luke chapter 18, verse 1 to 8 is what I'm going to, the text we're going to use. And I like this story. It's called the parable of the persistent widow. And in verse 1, it says, then he spoke a parable to them. This is in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. This is Jesus. Now, Matt, okay, just, just imagine this. He's talking to us. He's, he's talking to us. He says, and, and, and you can feel the weight of this, you know, and this is, this is the writer, right? And he says, then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And we, and we have a tendency to lose heart, don't we? We have a tendency to back up, to back off. We've got a tendency to yield. We, it's very easy for us to go through the motions and play the church game and sit and fill a seat. It's very easy for us, you know, to, to say we really believe God, yet there is no expression of that belief when it comes to, when it, as far as prayer. Saying this, he said there was a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard men. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her lest by her continuing, continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on earth? And here he's given this story about this widow. And a widow, especially in those days, was someone, like I said, without a husband, without family, without a son, without someone to take care of them. And, and they're, like I said, they're almost lost. They really are kicked to the curb and, and barely making it. And she comes to this judge. And in those days, judges had power and authority. And, and like I said, and they got things done. If you had a problem, you had a matter, you would come to the judge. And, and the judge would set things and put things in place. And, and she had an adversary, somebody who was called and her problems, you know, whatever that adversary was, and, and she is in her right to come to the judge. She's crying out for help, and she's coming all the time, and the judge, uh, like I said, you expect a judge to be a righteous man, a God-fearing man, someone who cares about people and cares about the need of the widow, but he doesn't give a darn about her or her situation or her circumstance. He, he don't care. She's out there waiting in the lobby. She comes every day. He could care less. He's got other things to deal with, other people to talk to. There's corporate executives and there's business people and, and all different types of people. That, oh, yeah, he's going to get involved there. He's going to get involved here. There's some big issues and some big matters he's got to work out and work through. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just sit in the back and, and, and I'll get to you. And he's got this woman in the back. You know what the problem was? She wouldn't quit. 
She came every day. She's there. And she says, look, you got to help me. You got to avenge me of my enemy. You got to put things in place. You got to work for me. And you know the reason why? Because this is your job, judge. This is your position. If I'm going to be helped, you're the one that's going to help me. And so I'm coming to you. This is your responsibility. This is the place and the position that you hold. And she is not ashamed. She's not embarrassed. She comes over and over again. And the judge says, you know what? I got to help this lady get her off my back because she's going to weary me if I don't. She is going to wear me out. I don't care about God and I don't care about people, but she's getting on my nerves because she keeps coming, so I'm going to help her. And Jesus uses this as an illustration. He uses it as a picture. And he says, don't, he says, don't you hear what the unjust judge says? He don't care about her. He don't care about people, but he's going to help her because she is wearing him out. And he says, how much more if the children, my children, the children of God come to their father and cry day and night, how much faster is he going to help us? Because we are his children. What a beautiful illustration. It's a picture. He's saying, look, he says, you're coming to God. And he says, you're crying out. To, you're asking God to help you. He's going to help you because he's way better than this unjust judge. He is, he is your loving father who cares about you. And he's genuinely moved by your needs. He's sympathetic. He's not mean. He's not separated from us. He is a very present help in trouble. And if you ask, he is going to answer. Can you say amen? If you cry out to him, he sees you. He has compassion for you. He is the lover of your soul. So will not our father in heaven... Answer our prayers when we come to him. Jesus himself gives an ill. He's, he's the one telling the story. He says, for that reason, you ought not faint. For that reason, we ought not quit. For that reason, we ought not ever pull back and even think for a second that God doesn't hear us. He says, that's not, if you, if you are not praying because you don't think that God hears you, then something is wrong. That's exactly what he's saying. And we're so quick to pull back. We're so quick to quit on God and, and our prayer life and just go through the motions. Do you know that prayer? I, I, the Christian life is animated by prayer. You know what I mean by animated? You know, Pinocchio, the wooden boy that was somehow brought to life in that fairy tale. Pinocchio was animated by whatever, what was it, a fairy godmother or somebody, okay? Brought this wooden boy to life and animated his being. Wrote, prayer animates the being of the Christian. It animates the being. It gives life and power, man. It does something to us. Uh, it illuminates our minds, you know what I mean? It raises us from the dead. It makes us sharp. It puts us on the edge. It makes us think. Uh, it takes away the fear. Uh, it's something about when you come out of prayer, you know what I mean? You ever feel it? You ever feel like after you're done prayer that you could take the world on and say, let's do this thing? You ever go into, the, into your prayer room and your heart is broken? And you're afraid, you're absolutely shattered by the way things have went, the way it's coming down. But after you pray, and I ain't talking about the mamby-pamby old religious prayers. No, 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 no. You're talking to your father in heaven. You're having a conversation with him. It might even be one-sided. You're the one doing it. Uh, like I said, more than you can hear him, but nonetheless, uh, you're getting a hold of God. And for some reason, when you get up, you realize God heard me. And after that, you feel like nothing can stop you. You, you have a sense. Uh, you have a revelation. There is a truth. It's, it's like something has happened to us. He's animated our being. He's given life to us. When I think about prayer, when I was doing this sermon, you know, it's like, you know, I, uh, you know that gladiators, or uh, if I brought it up to date, like video games, you know, and you play these video games, and there's always, I like, I watch my son play sometimes, and they got the characters, and they got the sp characters with special weapons, 
You know, one character like this weapon likes a sword, another one likes a baseball bat, another one likes a, a gun, a rifle, you know, like I said, and you can pick and you can swap and, and like I said, and, and, and that, that's the weapon of a Christian. It should be your favorite weapon is the weapon of prayer. This is the one that God has given us. This is the one that he says works. This is the one. It's like God strips away every, you know, and, and we, come to, we come into the kingdom with all kinds of weapons. And God, you ever notice that God strips away all our strengths? Every resource that we've had and had outside of him, he'll strip away just to make us depend on him. You ever have that happen where God just gets you in a spot where everything that you used to use, I don't know, you ever tried getting high after you give your life to Christ and it's not even the same anymore? You ever notice that was your escape? This is the place you ran to, you know what I mean? And you're trying to get high, but the high ain't even the same because God has stripped that away. He's taken that away. The things that you ran to, the things that, the things that you hid in, and God says, I am your refuge. I am your strong tower. You know what I mean? He says, I'm your hope. I'm the anchor of your soul. I am the one. I am your buckler. I am your shield. And God puts us in a spot where we can only come to him. But every time we come to him, there is never, ever a disappointment. That's the weapon that God gives us. He says, this weapon works. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty and God for the pulling down of strongholds. And it goes on talking about casting down vain imaginations and thoughts, walls, barriers, and strongholds, demonic opposition. Prayer is the weapon that God gives us. In Ephesians 6, verse 12, it says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers and the darkness of this age, against spiritual armies of wickedness in the spiritual places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. And it goes on to explain with the armor of God and naming each piece, each weapon, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword which is the word, and the shield of faith, having your feet shod with the gospel of peace. And But then he goes, but above all, above all, prayer, praying, and all supplication for all people, for all things. It's almost like he says, okay, you got this armor to your teeth. You're sharp. You got your, you're, you're geared up. But, but, but everything, to pull it all together, to make it all happen, you're going to have to anoint it in prayer. For this is all to work. Prayer is an absolute necessity. And so the Bible over and over again, Jesus and his sermons over and over again, express the absolute necessity for you and I to be a people of prayer. There is no getting around this. It is something that we have to do. This is the life of every believer every day. Can you say amen? But many of us, we fail every day to pick up, to use the only real effective weapon available to us. If I ask you right now, how many of you believe that prayer works? Say it again if you believe prayer works. Okay. How many of you pray every day? Oh, that's a pretty good response. Every day. We're getting a hold of God. That's, that's really good because that's what we have to do. This is the key. This is how it works. This is the role. This is what we're, what we're called to do, the challenge, uh, the footsteps to follow. So for this reason, Jesus goes to the extreme. He goes to the extreme to teach us about prayer because he knows how easy it is for us to become discouraged and to turn away. And he says, you ought to pray and faint not. He taught this. He demonstrated. You know, even Jesus prayed. How you, isn't that a trip? How do you, this is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the Bible says that he prayed. Often, pulled aside, got a hold of his Father for direction, 
and ministry and supernatural help and refreshing. If Jesus had to pray, how much more do you and I have to pray? If, like I said, if Trump is that, uh, we need a national day of prayer. Just after, I don't know how many, Reggie was telling me how, how many billions of, $50 billion they're getting ready to release to fight um, the uh, coronavirus thing. $50, $50 billion, you know, and the whole world. And, but you know, to tie it all together, <laughs> to make it all happen, you're going to need the intervention of God. $50 billion just ain't going to fix it. You know what I mean? Isolating cities. Hey, God, could you, could, you, could, you, could you have some mercy on us, please? We ain't been the best planet. <laughs> we haven't been the best, but Lord, if you could just show us mercy and kindness and, and help us. Hallelujah. I believe God would listen. Jesus taught from the great, he says, from the greatest to the least. Everyone that asks receives, and everyone who seeks will find. Everyone knocks, it shall give, be given unto them. This is the encouragement from our Lord and our Savior. This is what the Word of God speaks to us about seeking, about looking, about asking, about knocking. He says, there's no disappointment there. You know what I mean? I don't, you, ever, you ever have a prayer answered? And see, that is a trip. See, that's all that we need. A lot of times, that's, believe me, you get a, you get a prayer answered. You get turned on. You have God move for you. You cry out to God, and you know for a fact, uh, like I said, when, when it comes down the way it works out, that God intervened and helped you, that will light you up like nothing else will. That will stir you to really get a hold of God. And so you need this. We need this. And we, uh, we as Christians, we need to experience it, not just hear about it and just listen to it being preached, but no, we need to know for ourselves that God, God hears me. We need, we need that confidence. We need to be able to say that. And so you have things in your life, there's issues that you're facing and things that you're going through, and these are the opportunities for you to really see how real God is and how much you mean to him. Because as you begin to ask God, God be, he'll begin to respond. There's something about prayer that brings him into a situation. It's something about prayer that brings him and, and invites him. And, and like, I said, like I said, and just gets God's hands all up in your business. Don't you want him up in your business? I know I do. Every bit of it. My attitude, my life, my job, my marriage, my business. God, I need you to be involved. You know what I mean? Don't leave it into my hands. Help me. And there's nothing like seeing God work for you. You want God to answer some prayers for you, to stir your faith, to stir your heart, to stir your hope. It lets you know that you're not by yourself in this life. If we refuse to pray, no amount of effort will make up for that failure. If we refuse, nothing will make up for it. Nothing. Nothing at all. We've got to get a hold of God. Prayer was a priority in Jesus' life. It was central in his life. And he didn't pray. You know, what's interesting, he didn't pray uh, uh, to go into battle. Prayer was the battle. And here's one of the biggest things that we have to understand about prayer. It is definitely a fight. And you can feel that also. And this is why I preach so much about war, about having that attitude. You've got to have an attitude. You know, I think, I think every Christian needs to have a little attitude. Ah, you know what I mean? A little, you know, I think you need to be stubborn. We got any stubborn people here? See, our problem is we're stubborn in the wrong areas, the wrong, you know what I mean? We, I, mean, we got, I know we got some fighters here. We got some fighters, you know, but we don't fight where we need to fight. We're not stubborn where we need to be stubborn. We don't have an attitude where we need to have an attitude. You know what I mean? It's like being mad. We, we get mad at the wrong things. You know, you get mad because the Lakers ain't going to be on the team. You know what I mean? Or we can't watch the playoffs or, or, or the NCAA. We get mad about stuff that doesn't matter. But we don't get mad about things that really make a difference. You know, like, I don't know, abortion. We don't get mad about 
uh, injustice. We don't get mad about, you know, things that ain't right. We, we get mad at all the stupid things. We don't get mad at a lack of holiness or Hollywood's hypocrisy or the world's hypocrisy. We, we get mad at other things, you know. Our anger, we need to get mad at the right things and let our anger drive, drive us to prayer and get on our knees and say, God, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like you are, Lord. This ain't right. And I want to pray. I want to intercede for these people. I want to ask God, I'm asking you to move, you know, that, that attitude, that persistence, that determination, you know, enough attitude to make you say, you know what, I ain't putting up with this. I ain't, you know, my wife, my wife tells, she tells a story, used to tell it, so she, she, you know, when our, when our marriage, there was a time when we weren't as sweet and, un, and loving as we are now, Maybe. But it was a time when she said, she says, I, I know my marriage is not supposed to be like this. You know what I mean? She was stubborn, and which moved her to cry out to God. Now, I don't know, like I said, you know, it's almost, she says, I don't, may not have it all together. She, it's like she says, I, I may not have my act together, but get, and Reggie don't have his act together, but guess what? Our marriage ain't supposed to be like this. And so for that reason, I'm going to pray this thing through. Follow me? That's a good stubborn. That's like you look at your life, you look at situations. Hey, God, I, I don't know. There's a lot I might not be on the ball about, but guess what? This right here ain't right, and I know it's not right because of you, your spirit, I, your word. This ain't right, and God, I'm not going to put up with this. I'm, not gonna, I'm going to pray this through. I want to see you move like the song, I'm going to get the victory. I'm going to see the victory. That's a song of declaration. That's a song of stubbornness. That's a song of attitude. No, I'm not losing this battle. I'm not going to not make a difference. I'm not going to lay down the way this is. I have, I have something to say about this, and, I, and what I have to say is, oh, God, help me. That's what I'm talking about. Instead of bowing down every time something doesn't go wrong and yielding and, and cowering when the bombs blow up, the devil's throwing grenades, man, and, and he's making accusations and he's got things to say and laugh about. And you know, like I said, you look at your life and, and things ain't, no, that's when you rise up. This is when you make a stand. I'm not, I'm not putting up with this stuff. I ain't putting up with it. Now I'm getting a hold of God. But you could even do this in your own life. You know what I'm talking about in your own, in your own situation? God, I, I am not supposed to be like this. How many of you, the scripture says, you haven't resisted sin unto blood. You know, what, what, what are you talking about, resisted sin unto blood? It's like a rebuke. It's a short one. It's in Hebrews, you know, talking about uh, you haven't resisted sin unto blood. It, it, you know, the opposite would be, oh, I guess, you know, I've always struggled with this problem, and so I'll always have this problem, and so, Lord, just forgive me, you know, and, and you just go on with your life, you know what I mean? No, the Bible talks about a resisting, talks about a fighting against, you know, we look at our life, we look at issues, we have things going on, things that ain't right, maybe a sin that's going unchecked in our life. The Bible says we're supposed to resist that. And there's an attitude behind that. No, God, I have been forgiven by you. You love me. Your spirit's in my life. Guess what? Lord, I ain't putting up with this. I will hit the altar over and over again. I will come before you over and over again. I want deliverance from this. I'm not going to put up with this. I don't want my life to be like this. I, you, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I want to be new everywhere. You know what I'm talking about? There's an attitude about behind that. There's, there's a spirit of persistence and defiance and rebellion. Don't you guys like, I mean, we got any rebellious people here? You know what I'm talking about? Just why don't we rebel in the right area? God doesn't mind you being rebellious as long as you ain't rebelling against him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Why don't you flip the world off? You want to flip somebody off, go ahead. Flip the world off. Say, I'm done with you, sucker. I don't care. I am not going that direction. I'm living for Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? Oh, come on now. 
That's when we get serious about this stuff. So anyway, prayer is a priority. Now I'm going to finish with this. Why should we pray? Because we want things that we can't provide ourselves. That's a good reason. We want things that we can't do ourselves. It's humiliating, isn't it? Isn't it humble? We come before God in humility. There's some things that we just can't do, you know? There are things that are impossible and out of my reach. There's nothing more beautiful. Nothing. I think it might have been just as good with my own kids, but there is nothing like seeing my little stubborn grandson put his arms up to me and want me to pick him up. Man. You know, at church, he acts all cute, gets snooty, you know what I mean? He don't want me to pick him up or nothing. He ignores me. He comes to my house. He's a different guy. There, but I'm, the beauty of it, the beauty, the simplicity, it moves my heart that he, he little skinny white arms, you know what I mean? And he just goes, and I just instantly, without budging, never say no. Stop what I'm doing and pick him up. Because he wants to push the button on the coffee grinder. And we go through the motion every day, every time he comes to my house. There's some things that we can't do for ourselves, and I, I, I really believe that God, our Father, responds the same way. The same way. I got a, I think I talked about it. Remember someone about calling me uncle? Yeah, see, he remembers, Angel remembers that. He starts calling me uncle, trying to get something out of me. I don't know. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a trip. You know, you know what the power in asking there was one time someone was in our church and another pastor was trying to get him out of our church to come be part of their ministry. And he's building a new church. And instead of asking me, I, tell, I, and I, I like telling this, I said, if he, if he, instead of trying to get the person out of our church to come be part of his ministry, he could have had our entire church. All he had to do was say, Pastor Green, help me. If he would have said, help me, I would have stopped everything that I'm doing and made everything that we had available to help him for the simple fact that he asked me for help. Do you get it? The, the honor, like I said, if you ask me to help, oh, that's a great honor. You, you're expressing a need? Well, I... I'm going to respond to that need. I'm going to do whatever I can to help, you know, to move. And I think God, I really believe it's a reflection of how God responds to us. The fact that there are things that we can't do ourselves, And then when we express that to him, when we express that faith and that confidence in him, he's moved to help us because we trusted him. We asked him. His, his children lifted up their hands and said, Lord, help me. Help me because I can't do it. Move for me. Do this for me. And I believe God is honored by that. He is seriously honored by his children coming to him. And, 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 he, and he finds great pleasure in answering prayers because, like I said, he is a good father. And, and what do fathers want to do? A good father. They want to be father in the lives of their children. But I really, like I said, I got, I got one that, that doesn't ask. <laughs> I got one son. You know what I mean? He just don't know what all his dad would do for him if he would ask. You follow me? You got me? Okay, so we need to take advantage. We, 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 we need we need our father. Daddy, will you get that for me? Will you help me? Will you help me? Will you move for me? John 33, 3, it says, call unto me, and I will answer you 
and I will show you great and mighty things that, that you never knew. He says, he says, if you call unto me, I will answer you. If you will call. How about this? Jesus says, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And if any person will hear me, bite me in, I will come in and set up a table and dine with you. Right? Huh? Which one? Jeremiah 3.33? Jeremiah 33.3. 33, 33. Okay? Imagine this. God himself. He's God. He's knocking on our door. Shouldn't it be the other way around? He, he's knocking on our door. You know, who are we that he would knock on the door of our lives? That he would have to knock on the door and ask for an invitation to come in. It seems like it should be an open door. It seems like we would just be hungry for that, and we would want that, uh, and we would cry out for that. God, come live with me. Come dwell with me. Come fill me. Come satisfy me. Come help me. Be with me. But it says he stands at the door of a person's heart, and he knocks. And a lot of us know that, and what gets me a lot of times, sometimes we don't even answer. We know God is knocking, and he's saying, come, and yet we still don't. Are you with me? John 14, 13, it says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Do you believe that? Because this is what Jesus is talking about. And I believe that everything that we believe, bring before God, that he's listening. He's, he, he begins to work. He begins to minister. He begins to express himself and push things aside and set things up and, and turn things around. You know what I mean? He does whatever he can to help us. And a lot of times we pray too short. We pray too small. Or we pray amiss. It's not in the right direction. And God being a good father and knowing exactly what we need, he gives us what we need he gives us sometimes we pray and we ask for something and it's and we don't even get what we're praying for we get something better we get something better because God is that way he is that way okay I'm going to finish how should we pray let me Let's do that one. I'm going to let three things, and then I'm done. How should we pray? You're going to have to pray with some fire. What does that mean? Um, the Bible says the fervent prayer, the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That word fervent. It means hot. It means boiling, erupting. It means you get a hold of God. You know what I mean? If I offend somebody, let me check around. Let me look around here. Make sure everybody here know me. Okay? God ain't moved by Catholic prayers, religious prayers. When you're reading something off a sheet, or you're saying something repetitive. In fact, Jesus said, don't pray like people who don't know me in a repetitive fashion. Okay, he says, don't do that. You're not talking to an idol. You're not talking to a statue. You're not talking to someone who doesn't hear you. You're talking to a person. You're talking to a person, your father in heaven. And so Jesus says, don't do that. He says, when you come, you know, admit that he's your father. He says, you want to, you want, you, when you come and you're praying, express your heart. It's a, it's a relationship. It's not something plastic. It's not something fabricated. It's not something made up, you know. And a lot of times we don't even know how to pray because we've been taught to pray mechanically. Or, you know, like I said, or, or we just, you know, just something written, something fake. And I don't even know how to pray. Yes, you do know how to pray. You do know how to pray. Express your heart. Express what you're going through. Talk about what you're feeling. Talk about what you want. 
Ask God to, you know what I'm talking about? There's a, there's a communication process there. In fact, and if, and if you really know that it's something that God ought to do, you know what you need to do? Bite down on him and don't let go like Jacob did. Bless me. An angel of the Lord said, let me go. He says, not until you bless me. Now, I did costing, but God did blessing. Are you following me? Hope I didn't offend you. Then again, if it moves you to pray the correct way and you talk to God like, like he really is your father in heaven, then so be it. But you need to talk to him. Are you with me? Okay. Pray with some fire. Pray with some zeal. Pray like you believe God is hearing you. Don't be half-hearted. Push in. You want to touch God. Tear down the walls and the barriers and the strongholds of darkness. Cause things to move. Make a difference. Make some impact in your prayer life. Be aggressive. Mm. Second thing. Pray expectantly. Man, after you talk to God, you might want to believe him. If you asked him to help you, then believe that he will. Give him, let him, give him a chance. Let God work. You know, don't pray with doubt. How does that even work? Oh, Lord, I'm going to pray because Pastor Green said I should. And I really need you. I know you're really not going to do it, but because I'm a Christian, I'm going to. No, man, you need to believe that God really is going to answer your prayer. And if he's not going to answer it specifically, then maybe, how about this? If you're asking for something and God's, God gives you an answer like, no, I'll take that. If God says, no, not right now. I'll, I'll take an answer like, if I'm asking God for something, he says, why don't you wait? I'll take that. Or if he's going to do it, yes, pow, I'm going to take that. But most of all, more than anything else, I want to communicate with him, and I want my matters to be in his hands. How about that? Are you with me on that one? You want to put your matters into God's hands. You want to trust him. You want to believe him. What this will do is stir hope. Because if you're looking at your own self expecting things to change, it ain't never going to happen, and so you won't have any hope. But if you're believing that God's going to help you, man, it changes everything. Hope is the anchor of our soul. It keeps us on the right track. It keeps us moving in the right direction, but it, it's an absolute necessity. Necessity. Can you handle what I'm saying today? So, so this is, okay, so we want to pray with some fire, and we want to pray with some expectation. God, I'm believing you to help me. I am believing you to help me. I am listening for an answer. I am looking for direction. I am waiting for you to move. I'm going to hold still until you do. God, this is the way, this is it. We have to have that. And then finally, just like this woman who kept coming to the judge, she prayed, we ought to, we ought to pray persistently. It's like God says, go ahead, bother me. I want you to bother me. I want you to bother me. I used to, I taught my kids, don't, don't, you know, there's a, there's a difference between begging and being persistent. There's a, a difference in being begging as if, you know, you're begging for something as if you got to, you got to make God do this or feel sorry for you or, you know, like I said, if you don't do this, then it ain't going to get done. You know, you know, you know what I'm talking about, begging? You don't bake. I wanted my kids to ask me with confidence, and I was either going to ask, I was going to say yes, or I was going to say no, or I was going to say wait, whatever it was. But they could come boldly to their dad. Don't have to worry. And then it was another side, flip side to that. And one time I'm laying on the couch because I work night shift. I've been working night shift for years, and I could hear when Reggie and and Alicia and Jarrett were really little. They were passing some wisdom down to Jared. And so they knew that if they asked me when I was half asleep, that was a good time to get down. And they also knew, they'd also say, keep asking him. Keep asking. Right? Now, now kids pick up on it. They knew the strategy, man. To get me to say yes, all they had to do was keep asking. 
And they didn't ask, they didn't ask like whining and crying and no, no, no. They just asked that, can I do, you know what I mean? And they had a way to do now. And what was funny is they're teaching Jared how to do this. Or or Reggie was teaching Alicia, I can't remember, but they were they were passing it down how this could get done. There's something about persistence in our prayer life. Are you with me? Can you handle that? Are you, there's something about coming to God over and over again. You know, it's something that be, because it proves that it, it's just like a demonstration or there's proof that you do believe that he is the answer. It's like a demonstration. You know, the only way you would keep coming is if you know that he's hearing you. And the Bible says he is hearing you. And he will respond. And he responds. It says, even though he makes us wait. And the waiting thing is what wears us. He says, he says we always ought to pray and not faint. Our problem is we want microwave Christianity. You know what I mean? You just put it in, turn the dial, and that thing is cooked. Where I came from, you know, when I was a kid, we didn't have microwaves. What? <laughs> it wasn't a microwave. When you wanted to make mic, when you wanted to make popcorn, popcorn was cooked on a stove. You put butter in the pot, some kernels, you shook it around and waited till it heated up, and it took a while before the kernels would begin to pop. You know, it wasn't no popping it into the microwave and walking away. You know, it took time. And our problem is, your, your problem, our problem, that's our problem. This generation, we want things so fast, we don't have time to wait on God. And so the scripture, Jesus says, we always ought to pray and not faint, not quit, not give in, not give, give heart. Okay, if God, if he didn't answer you if, you, if you, if you're praying and God didn't answer you yet, he didn't tell you no. He didn't tell you to wait, then you need to keep coming in and asking. And as you push in, man, you'll establish a relationship with him. He wants you to push in. And sometimes God takes his time answering so that we will, so that we'll learn, so that we'll deliver, uh, develop spiritual muscle and determination and confidence in God and persistence, man. See, see we, we fold over too easy. God says, no, fight, push in. I got the answer for you, but I want you to push in to get it. I want you to keep knocking. I want you to keep asking. I want you to keep looking. It's like God says, I got you. I see you. But I need you to develop. I need you to get stronger. I need you to learn some things. I need you to develop. I want you to mature as a believer. And after what would you say? God says, okay. God does what he wants us to do, what, he, uh, what we're asking for. And you say Amen. How you going to be, folks? What we going to do? I think we ought to just rise up, step up to the plate, stop making excuses, and be the children of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed, in reverence to God. Hallelujah. I remember Viola being sick. I'd go to church and pray for people. They would get healed. But my wife is home, and she's sick. But people at church are getting healed. Eh. I remember being broke and bill collectors after me. But I'd preach and teach and talk about tithing and God blessing those that give. I remember that. I've been on so many outreaches. I've, I've, I've preached in the streets, showed movies, had concerts, passed out flyers, thousands and thousands of flyers, talked to thousands and thousands of people about Jesus for years and have six people, seven people in my church. Hmm. And what, what was it all for? I, I, if I look back, I say, man, all, if I could say that God was teaching me something, it was persistence, determination. Make me put my roots down, draw close to him. Stop looking around and look straight in his face. Lean on him, trust him, 
believe him to control all things and to be sovereign in every situation. Man, valuable lessons. Valuable, valuable lessons. I remember praying, crying out to God for a job. The job should have been mine. The money was needed. I would have helped. It would have helped the church. It would have helped me and only to get passed up and not get that job, not get that opportunity. Man, Jesus says men ought to always pray and not faint. We ought not never, ever quit. We should never, ever throw in the towel. We should never pull back simply because we're praying and things are not going like we're expecting them to go. Because I've also watched in every one of these situations that, I'm, that I just mentioned, I've also seen God do shut the door on one area and open the door in another area. I've seen God move in different ways, different times, you know, all linked to the same prayers, you know what I mean? I'm linked, God didn't answer me here, but he, but he answered me over here, you know, and God didn't do what I expected him to do in this situation, but watching totally blow my mind in another situation. God just teaching me to trust him 100% that he is absolutely in control of every situation and every circumstance. Nothing catches him by surprise. So for that reason, you and I should never be discouraged. The thing that discourages us more than anything else is unanswered prayer. That, that can really discourage us. That can stop us from coming to God because we're, we're afraid of not seeing what we want to see or, or we cried out to God and it didn't come the way we wanted it. And, and you can actually lose heart. God says, don't do that. That's a mistake. It's a big mistake. He says, we always ought to pray and not faint. God hears us. God sees us. He's got this thing in control. He's got your life. He's got your, he's, listen to me. While your head is bowed and your eyes closed, listen to me. He's got your messed up life in control. You hear me? He's got your messed up life in control. Your life that's out of whack. Your life that you can't figure out. Your life that's unfair. Your life that's a, such a disappointment. Your life, God's got it in control. He knows all about it. He's not surprised. He's got it. Our job is to trust him. Our job is to continually cry out to him, make our requests known to him, and let God help us. Let the Lord God help us. Hallelujah. Every head's bowed and every eye is closed. No one moving around, no one talking. I like to change the order of this service. If you don't know Jesus in a personal way, why don't you give your life to God? If you don't know him, why don't you meet him? If you're not saved, why don't you ask him into your heart? You want heaven to be your home? You want to be forgiven of all your sins? You want your life to be transformed? You want to be new? You don't want religion. Nope, nobody wants religion. Who wants religion, man? Just, just We don't want that. I got to have something real. You got to have something real. Only, only, the, only the living water will satisfy us. Only the bread, for hev bread from heaven will satisfy us. Hallelujah. We really do need Jesus. He's here today. He wants to change your life, forgive you of all your sins, and make yourself real to you. If you want to give your life to Christ, I want you to pray with me this prayer today in this place right now. Say, Jesus, please forgive me for all my sins. Forgive me, Lord for my rebellion towards you. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. I give my life to you to serve you and to do your will. Thank you, Lord, for dying for my sins. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, it's a simple prayer, but it's a prayer of invitation. You've invited God into your life. Believe that he has come in. Let God have his way. Let God do some miracles in you, through you.
This altar is going to be open. You can take time praying in the seat. You can come to the front and pray. If you need me to lay hands on you, to ask God to, to bless your life, to do something special in your life, I'm willing to do that. I got you. But let's take some time. Let's talk to God because prayer is so powerful and so awesome and so real, and God responds to prayer. Let's let the Lord God help us. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. The altar is open. Let's take some time and talk to the Lord today. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning into this week's message. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired. For more information about our church, visit kirchurch.com or follow us on Instagram at kirchurch.com.